Shalom, Griff. Shalom, Easter. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, welcome to the Hebrew Church. Good morning, God's people. And so we're going to be airing this every Saturday. Every Saturday, which is the Sabbath day at 10 a.m. But don't worry. Uh, what we're going to do is post it on YouTube, the series, under Ethel Easter Dismit. You'll be able to find the series, the Hebrew Church. Uh, this will consist of 20 minutes of Griff teaching. He's been studying this for the past 10 years. And so God has ordained us to move forward and teach everyone about the Hebrew culture and the identity. Okay, so 20 minutes he'll be teaching. Uh, five minutes uh, we'll have some questions. Three minutes will be Easter, keeping it real, which is me. And then two minutes we'll be having our prayer uh, at the end of this series. So why are we doing this? Uh, God has destined us to do this and put this on our hearts because there's an awakening, one, of the, his people. So uh, the awakening of his people, number two, the identity. We have to learn what our identity is. And so that's number two. And then three, how to move forward. We have a lot of protesters, a lot of things going on, but we have to move forward in this. So those are the three things we'll be teaching. And we thank uh, Yeshua, which is Jesus, and Yahweh, which is God, for giving us this information to put out into the atmosphere. So Griff, you can go ahead and take it over with your teaching, please. Yeah, thank you for that uh, intro there, Easter. So first and foremost, um, as a teacher, I am a backwards planner. And so I wanna start by giving you the objectives that we would eventually like to get to through this series. Um, so first, so starting out, what we wanna do is prove to you that uh, the folks that were involved in the, tra the transatlantic slave trade, all of the Pan-African diaspora, that they actually are the Hebrew people of the Bible. That might sound like a, like a crazy claim at this point, but follow us through the series and we'll method uh, methodically prove that to you that you are descended from Israel uh, if you are a descendant of the transatlantic slave trade. So we'll start here day one, we're gonna talk about first and foremost, the fact that the Hebrews actually were people of color. So we're gonna go through the story of Joseph here first and talk about that. And then uh, session after session, we'll build on that to get to, okay, if they're people of color, how do we know that we're actually those people descended from the Bible, descended from the biblical characters? So we'll, we'll start a little slower here. We'll start off with just, you know, rearranging your mind to see that the folks that were in the Bible actually weren't Caucasian. They were actually folks of Arabian and African descent. And then we'll move into uh, more modern times. And how do we get to this claim that, African-Americans and the rest of the Pan-African diaspora are actually people of color and are actually Hebrews. Amen. Okay, so with that said, I'm gonna share my screen and we're gonna go over some verses here. Uh, but the first thing I wanna say is, and I'll say this about any preacher, about any teacher, about anybody is never take my word for it. Always mm -hmm. go back to the scripture, go back to the photos, go back to the documents and do your own research. It's one thing for me to sit here and tell you this, another thing for you to see it for yourself and to confirm everything on your own behalf. Amen. Um, so never be afraid. Actually, I will encourage, please do your own research and then leave us comments. Let us know what you think. Something, something that you want us to bring out or pull out or study, let us know. Um, this is a collaborative effort here. Okay. With that said, I'm going to share my screen and we'll get started. 
So for today, we'll be reading out of Genesis 37, Exodus 1, Exodus 12, and Genesis 42. So I'm going to hop over to Genesis 37 first, and we're going to read where Joseph gets sold into slavery. Now, before I read that, let me stop here for a second and tell you who Joseph is. So just so you know, um, Joseph is in the lineage of the patriarchs, meaning that first you have Abraham, who was the one of election, the first one to be called a Hebrew. Um, and then he birthed both Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael was birthed by his handmaid. Isaac was birthed by his wife, Rebecca. And Isaac is the son of promise, who uh, the covenant gets passed down to. Then you have Esau and Jacob. Um, Jacob is, again, the son of promise, who the covenant gets passed down to. And then Jacob, later in his life, his name gets changed to Israel. That's where you get the word Israel from, is uh, the person of Jacob. Israel then births the 12 tribes, uh, all the 12 tribes of, of Israel, of course. And that's what we're going to pick up here with Joseph. Okay. okay. So let's go ahead and I'm going to share my screen again and let's look at this verse to start out. Okay, so Genesis 37, I'm going to read kind of kind of a little bit more information here because this is very important. Um, and so I'm going to read a few extra verses here, but just stay with me. We'll get to the, the important verses where he gets sold off into slavery. Okay. So let's start there. So this is again, Genesis chapter 37, verses 12 through 28 is what I'm going to read here first. Okay, starting at verse 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Sechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Sechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Sechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. Before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Yeah. Now, let me, let me pause right here real quick and give context to this. Why did they want to kill Joseph? Um, well, Joseph was a gifted, a gifted child, meaning that he had visions from God. One of his visions was he had a dream that God informed him that his parents and his brothers would bow down to him. Okay. Now, him being the younger brother, this is very out of, the, um, out of the cultural norm. So when his brothers heard this, they got a jealousy about it and they started to dislike him. Not only was he a dreamer, not only did he get visions from God, but his father also showed favoritism towards him. His father made him this nice jacket. Um, it was a colorful jacket. And um, he recognized him as the, the one that would lead the rest of the brothers. And the mm -hmm. brothers didn't like this because he was the youngest brother. And so there's a sense of jealousy going on here. And we're going to see how this plays out in the story. Now I'm going to pick back up here. In, and we uh, know that when people are jealous, a lot of times they want to kill you. Jealousy is, is very harsh. Go ahead. Abs absolutely. So I'm going to pick okay. up here in, ver in verse 19. So his brothers say, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. 
Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat their meal. They looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah mm -hmm. said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to mm -hmm. the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Okay. So right there, we see that uh, Joseph is sold into slavery, into Egypt by his brothers. Mm -hmm. So remember, this is the great, great uh, grandchild of Abraham. So we're still in the history of the patriarchs here. Uh, the Hebrews have just been established in what we can now call the modern Middle East. Actually, it was Arabia back then. Uh, so they've just been established. And one of the kids is now sold into slavery in Egypt. But why does this matter? Why am I starting here? Well, let me, let me go back to the text and show you why this matters. So before we go any further, we should all know who the Egyptians were. There's been a deliberate effort in modern times to um, show, the, show the Egyptians as, as very fair-skinned people. But has it been that way since the beginning? So let's start here. Ancient Egypt, as well as modern Egypt, is in Africa. Okay, so it's an African nation. So let's just look at a few pictures of what ancient Egyptians would have looked like. So this is just a basic Google search here. Uh, you can see the Google search that's on there. If you go to Google and type in ancient Egyptians, you'll see their hieroglyphs and how they painted themselves on the walls of ancient Egypt. As I look through these pictures, I can see all people of color here. Not, right. very, not very dark skinned people because they were in Northern Africa but people that were like my color, uh, your color, uh, Easter, and a little bit darker, but people that were of that olive tone to that caramel tone. And again- So the ancients, not to cut you off, the ancient Egyptians, they put these pictures out here. So they had to look like these people right here, these dark complected people, or they could have put white figures out there, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you see that ancient Egypt had the capability to make the colors white, right? You see in a lot of these pictures in their hieroglyphs, they were able to make the color white, as you see here, yet they still painted their skin in this darker color. Um, right. So you can see absolutely who they were. Um, so forget about modern sources. Let's look at the firsthand, the, the firsthand account of the first primary source. We can see how they painted themselves. Um, second piece of this I want to show is even looking at something like the Great Sphinx or looking at their tombs, look at the facial features of these people. Look at their lips. Look at their nose, look at their All eyes. Right. Um, you can tell that this is uh, descended from the same, the same kind of features that we have today. And then mm -hmm. for, furthermore, a couple more just quick points here on this. And again, I'm not saying anything new or anything that's really contentious at all. I think most modern responsible scholars would agree that the ancient Egyptians were people of color. Um, well, this is all about the truth. 
Um, and so, and that's why we're having this series because we just want the truth to be told and we want facts to be put out here. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to show a clip from this video real quick. This is a, um, this is a Nat Geo, National Geographic video, I believe, in which they just do a, a, a rendering of what the Sphinx actually looked like. Remember the Sphinx, the Sphinx is that big thing over in Egypt that stands in front of the pyramids. Um, so they did a rendering of what it would actually look like. So remember, this is the Sphinx right here. Um, but I want to go to this piece up here. First of all, let's just look at this thing for a second. Mm -hmm. um, so what you'll notice here is that the nose and the lips of the Sphinx were shot off at some point or were vandalized at some point. And that wow. begs the question of why. Why, did, why not take off the headdress? Why only the nose and the lips? Um, most scholars agree that this probably happened from Alexander the Great as he came and conquered Egypt. Um, and let's, let's look at the picture and see why they would shoot off the nose and the lips. Again, this is the Science Channel uh, that put this up. And so neutral source here. And let's see when they redid the Sphinx, how it would have looked back in its time. There it is right there. Wow. It would have been painted. And, the, and they got this paint from, there's been some residue paint that was left behind one of the ears. And so they're able to see the way that it was originally painted uh, in mm -hmm. ancient Egypt again. And I've always been proud of my nose. I, I, I just, you know, I've always been proud of it. And, and those are our features. Absolutely. Those are our features. Um, and you see here, ancient Egypt was a culture that not only was, was of colored people or black people, but they made all of their hieroglyphs. They made all of their big artifacts. They painted them in their own likeness or in their own image. Um, and so I just wanted to show that to say that we know for without a shadow of a doubt that back in this time, this would have been a dark skinned people or a black people. And so just to clarify, so I have some clarity on this, Griff. So the brothers of Judah who sold Joseph were Hebrew. We know that, right? Yes. Uh, and then um, the Egyptians we see were, were black people. They're dark people. Mm -hmm. So go on because this is leading to something. Okay, go ahead. Absolutely, yes. So, so, um, so Joseph and his brothers were all, they are the original Hebrews, right? They are the 12 tribes in which we descend all the Hebrews from. Um, so we're going back to the origin or the source here to see who they were in the beginning. Okay, so with that said, I'm now going to jump over to the next Bible verse here. Um, that's very interesting. They took the nose and the lips off, which was one of our dominant features, our, our nose and our lips. Absolutely. Why would they shoot those off out of everything? Interesting. Right. Um, but let's move forward here. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through all the details of Joseph. I don't want to have this too long. So I'm going to move forward here. We're going to go to Joseph 40 or Genesis uh, chapter 42. Um, I'm going to give you a synopsis and then we'll talk about what happens here in Genesis 42. Okay. So after Joseph gets sold into slavery into Egypt, he's obviously a slave first, uh, but his gift, God still honors the gift that he gave him. So he continues to have these dreams and visions and even has these dreams and visions um, in context of the Pharaoh. To make a long story short, he ends up interpreting some of the Pharaoh's toughest dreams, dreams that none of his wise men can interpret. Um, Pharaoh ends up taking Joseph out of prison. Um, Joseph ends up becoming number two in charge. Uh, what most people will say is that Joseph was what you would call like the prime minister of Egypt, to bring that into modern terms, meaning that just as England has a queen and a prime minister, the queen is the figurehead, the prime minister is who actually runs the country. That's who Joseph was in Egypt. 
he was the he was a number two in charge. Uh, but most scholars agree that he was the one who actually ran the country because of all these gifts that he had, and the pharaoh trusted him so much. Um, okay, so he was so, like the vice president. I I wouldn't even say that's a good comparison because the vice president doesn't wield much power, right? I would say really that Queen of England to the Prime Minister of England is a great comparison because while the Queen is the the patriarch, as she's the one in charge of the of the nation, she really doesn't wield that much power. She hands it over to the Prime Minister. To run, the, to run the nation on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's okay. more than that relationship. We really don't have that relationship here in America. Okay. Um, okay, so now let's move forward and go to Genesis 42. We're gonna see that Joseph's brothers are gonna come to Egypt and not recognize him. So let's go to Genesis 42 next. I'm just gonna type that into my search bar here. I'm using Bible Gateway as my um, Bible here, online Bible here. I use the same thing. Yeah, it's a great one. You can look at all the versions on here, whatever you want to look at. Um, but before we get to this piece, um, what ends up happening here is the Arabian land, what we now call the Middle East, goes through an extreme drought at this point in time, an extreme famine. Um, so the entire land is in famine. And at this point, Egypt is the major ruling city or the metropolis of the land. And so what ends up happening is all the people in the land go to Egypt to try to get provisions to survive this drought. Now, right. what does that mean? Remember that Joseph's brothers are still living in this land that's going through this severe drought. And so they're in the midst of this famine. And so they say, uh, let us go to Egypt so that we can go and get some grain. I'm going to read this piece next. And we're going to see when Joseph's brothers are reunited with him, what happens. So I'm going to pick up here in Genesis 42. When Jacob, who is uh, obviously Israel, Joseph's father, and the father of the 12 tribes, when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some, buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor over the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So we see here, Joseph was in charge of um, all of the buying and selling of the grain here in Egypt, which shows you how important he was in Egypt. Mm -hmm. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him. Mm, that that to the vision, ground. they the bowed vision. down. The vision came mm -hmm. true, the vision came mm -hmm. true. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. Now, remember, he was sold as a young child into slavery. He was sold when he was very young into slavery. This is probably 30 years later, and he recognizes them instantly. Okay. Um, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Here is the key verse here. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Wow. wow. How, so, so this begs the question. If we talk about ancient Egypt, if we talk about the fact that this was a dark-skinned nation, we don't have a description of the Hebrews just said their skin color. But if Egypt is a dark-skinned nation and Joseph is sold into slavery in Egypt, if his brothers were fair-skinned or white people, wouldn't he stick out like a sore thumb amongst these dark-skinned dark people? 
Exactly. He blended in. That's why they didn't recognize him because he was dark just like them. He was, he was black just like them. He blended in showing that he was the same color as these Africans, right? Or these Egyptians, which means that his brothers were the same colors as well, which means that his father was the same color as well, right? So here is a smoking gun that shows us, again, the Bible doesn't talk about race much because race wasn't even a concept back then. It's right. more about, it's all about ethnicity at this point. But if you look at uh, different clues, different passages, and just read them, just read them between the lines here, you can easily see here um, that these, these Hebrews from the land of Canaan uh, would have had to be uh, a dark-skinned people. Right. For them not to recognize their own brother, meaning he blended in with them. His complexion, he blended in with them. Exactly. He blended in with them uh, to the point where they couldn't even recognize him. Now, so the story continues, and um, he doesn't necessarily play a trick on his brothers, but he continues to conceal his identity um, until the opportune moment. And then, uh, because, you know, these people sold him into slavery, and he is not getting revenge, but he's just filling them out and seeing where they are, et cetera, et cetera, uh, before revealing himself to him. He eventually reveals himself to, the, to his brothers. He cries with them. He tells them that it's not their fault that they sold him into slavery because God had a plan. Yahweh had a plan. Because if he wasn't sold into slavery, then the nation of Israel, they would have perished. They would have, you know, within the, th within the third generation, they would have all been wiped out. And so, so God, already, God already knew for them not to kill him, to be sold in slavery, to be second in charge, so that he could keep them alive, literally keep them alive. Because down the road, years and years down the road, he ended up giving them food. Absolutely. 30 years down the road, he ends up feeding. They wouldn't die off because they were the only one holding the food through the famine at the time. Absolutely. Exactly. So wow. he, gives them, he gives them this so that they don't die off. Um, God had a plan and everything. And that, that gets back to uh, the Apostle Paul saying that God will take what's bad and turn it into good. All works for the good. For Amen. The Amen. Um, so you don't know what's bad or good. Just keep pressing on in whatever you're doing. Um, but, but let's get back to the text here. Exodus. Now I'm going to jump over to Exodus next. So we can see exactly what happened with early, with the early Hebrews. So I'm going to go to Exodus one, Exodus chapter one, um, read verses one through seven. After, after, um, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, what ends up happening is he says, go and get my father and go get my other brother. So the brothers go back and they get Benjamin who Joseph had never met before because he was born after he was sold into slavery. So he goes and gets Benjamin and they get, and they get Israel, Jacob, his father, and they all come back together. And that's, what we're going to pick up here. Okay. So when they come back together, uh, Jacob has so much favor in the land of Egypt that he goes to Pharaoh and he's like, look, my brothers and my family are, are uh, here you know, can they move here? And the Pharaoh says, absolutely. We'll give them this land. Uh, you know, your family is my family and basically allows them safe passage to live in the land of Egypt. So he had, he had favor. He had favor. He had favor in the land of Egypt. He had favor with Pharaoh. So we're only in the third generation here. So we had Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. And so Abraham and Isaac lived in the land of Canaan. Jacob lived in the land of Canaan, and so did the 12 tribes, but now they're all moving to where? To Africa. They're moving to Egypt. Now, the question is, how many Israelites moved into Egypt, or how many Hebrews moved into Egypt? So let's read here next to this one, and it gives us the Ooh, exact I, number. I know the answer, but I'm, I'm, go ahead. 
How many do you think it is, Sister Easter? 70. Absolutely. Now let's read the text so we so we know but that. I've been uh, reading my Bible. I've been reading and studying. That's why we have to read our Bible so that it comes alive. And when you're saying these things, it, it really comes alive in my head. Thank you, Griff. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm gonna pick up here Exodus 1, and we're gonna read down a couple verses here. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob. So remember, Israel and Jacob are the same, are the same person. Sons of Israel are the sons of Jacob. Each okay. with his family. There was Reuben, uh, Simon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, and Benjamin, Dan and, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70. So yes, Sister Easter, 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. So 70 Hebrews or 70 sons of Jacob enter into Egypt. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let's keep reading here. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied, they multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Now, for my Bible scholars out there, we should know that this was the exact promise that was made to Abraham and Isaac, was that um, his seed would be as numerous as the stars and as numerous as the sand. And so God now, is fulfilling his purpose here. I have a question here. on that six. So the rest of the people died that didn't come after the 70, right? So what, what uh, verse six is saying is that Joseph and his, all his brothers, they brought 70 because they brought their wives and their children with them as well. Um, but that whole generation died out. So now it's saying it's their, it's their children's generation. Okay. And God, God is still giving them favor in this land. Even though the one who the favor came from, Joseph died out, God is still giving them favor in this land. They're multiplying. Okay. They're multiplying just like God said, they, just like Yahweh said they would. He, he said, just like the sand on the beach. You know how much sand is on the beach. In, he said, like the sand on the beach, your people are going to multiply. But go in, ahead. Innumerable. Can't even be measured how much they would multiply. But where wow. are they? But, but, but Sister Easter, I'd ask you, where are they multiplying right now? And what, and what nation or in what continent? In the United States of America. Yes, yeah, so today, so today we are. Here in the text, they're multiplying in the nation of Africa. So right. we see that they went in 70 people. Now let's see how many people are there when they come right. out. They start multiplying in, in Egypt over there. And that's how we got over there. That's how we got to Egypt is by that famine coming and Joseph, life was spared. And that's how we originally got over into Egypt. That's very important yep. in our history. So here's our original trek to Africa. Now what we're going to see throughout uh, these studies is that Abraham traveled to Egypt when he was in trouble. Um, Isaac travels to Egypt. Uh, Jesus is hidden in Egypt uh, when the census occurs, before the census occurs, when um, Herod is trying to kill him. Um, right. So Jesus uh, is hidden into Africa. So Egypt is Africa. So we want to make that clear too. Absolutely. So they're all hidden over there. And like we said before, how could you be hidden somewhere if you sit out like the sore thumb? Your skin complexion, your features have to line up in order for you to be hidden in somewhere or you're going to stand out absolutely because there um, was speckles over people head believe me they were putting rewards out if they would find you mm -hmm. absolutely okay go ahead brother Griff. um now i'm going to finish this off real quick because i want us to see what happened in egypt so we so a lot of folks just think that the hebrews were enslaved in egypt but that's not the case 
the Hebrews had great favor in Egypt to start out with. Joseph was literally one of the main governors over the land that ruled the land, and his descendants had great, great favor in Egypt to start out. Now, what happens? How, how do they descend into slavery? Well, let's read here at verse 8. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave this country. So they, mm. put, so they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they build Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they mm. multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and, and work them ruthlessly. Here that means right hate them. Dread means to hate them. They hated them and they feared them. It was a hate and a fear that was so, tied together. So just to, to a synopsis of this, so Joseph and his brothers had died out because at some point they had died. And then this new king comes in, which he didn't care about Joseph's heritage and that he was second in charge. He just saw these, these Israelites are growing. They're, you know, and there's favor on them. They have a lot of uh, money. Mm -hmm. And so he started to fear them because of the multitude. But go ahead, Brother Griff. Absolutely. So he starts to fear them. He puts this yoke on their back. Um, and through this slavery, they then start to call out to their God. Now, while in Egypt, uh, think about it like be us being here in America, right? I think about, um, I know a lot of our ancestors, Sister Easter came from um, the Alabama area. We, know, we talk about Aliceville a lot, where a lot of our folks came from. Mm -hmm. okay. So we came from Aliceville, then we moved to Pennsylvania, right? Right. Um, while we were there, when we went to Pennsylvania, we didn't, we didn't go back to Aliceville. You didn't go back to Aliceville to find my wife or your, your parents didn't take you back to Aliceville to find a husband for you. We just mixed in where we were, right? We just did whatever we, uh, in Pennsylvania, most of our folks are from Pennsylvania now because that's where we were planted at. Same right. idea, the same idea would have happened here in Egypt. The, the Hebrews would have obviously, in the land that they were in, they were prosperous and they mixed in. They would have obviously uh, mixed in with the Egyptians and other Africans who would have been in Egypt. At this point, Egypt is like America. It's a place that is so prosperous that people from all over are going to come there and try to make a name for themselves, try to make a life for themselves. So there's people from all over Africa and Egypt, just like, and again, this is in the midst of the famine, just like uh, the Hebrews came from the north from the land of Canaan, people came from all over Africa. So, so they, were having, they were having children together. Exactly. The Africans and the Israelites, the Hebrews, started having uh, repro uh, procreation together. They started reproducing. Absolutely. And, I, I and, get it. and to prove that point, I'm going to show you here in a second where uh, God makes laws for that. But I'm going to show you here in a second about that. Um, but what we're going to jump to next, uh, we know obviously what happens next in the book of Exodus is the story of Moses. I'm, I'm going to spare that right now. We're going to go back to Moses in the future, and we will prove why, he, why he's a man of color and why his wife that he took was also a woman of color. Uh, but we're going to spare that right now. We're going to jump over the story of Moses and get to the point where they're coming out of Egypt in the Exodus. Because I want you to see, remember, they went into Egypt with just 70 people. But I mm -hmm. want you to see how many people were with them when they came out of Egypt. My God. Okay, so 40 years later, after, this, after the 70 people, 
Let's see how many are there. How many out. years later? 400 years later. They were in Egypt for 400 years. 400 not, years. Not 400, 400 years, years in slavery. In not 400 years in slavery. Because remember, the first 100 to 150 years, they prospered. But then right. they spent about another 200 years in slavery uh, there in Egypt. So for I'm. 400 years, they're over there in Egypt. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to jump to Exodus 12 and read here in Exodus 12 next. And I like that you, while you're doing that, that you said about uh, people coming over and they're just like, like now, you know, uh, Caucasians and African-Americans, we get together, we have children because back in, in Genesis, they went to their tribes. They went, they, they, they tried to keep the breed in their tribes of the people. So you'll read that once you go back into Genesis when you read it, but go ahead. But like you said, when you come over there, you start mixing together. Absolutely. But go ahead. Okay. So this is, this is when um, the Israelites are, are on their way out. The 10 plagues have already happened. Moses is leading the people out. And this is where uh, the writer of, of Exodus, who is Moses, gives us a number of Hebrews who came out of, out of Egypt. So here in verse, he, or excuse me, Exodus 12, verse 37. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Okay, so let's break down the 600,000 men. So if there are 600,000 men on foot, well, what do we know? We know in most societies and almost all societies in the world that there always are a little bit more women than men, right? Usually it's like here right. in America, it's like 50, 52, 48 women to men. But let's, right. be, let's be fair and let's just say that there's the same number of, of, of women as men. So that means that there's 1.2 million, 600,000 wow. times two, 1.2 million, so from, from 70 to 1.2 million. Now let's count the kids as well. There would have also been kids there. Um, usually the kids make up the same population as the, as the adult males and females, but let's be conservative and not double it. Let's just take it up to 1.5. So we'll say that 1.5 million people, Hebrews, came out of Egypt from 70 to 1.5 million. Look at God, multituding them, yes. Exactly. Now, the important thing to see here is that the nation of Israel was born and raised in Africa. They mm. had 70 people when they went into Africa. They came out of Africa at 1.5 million people. Wow. The and original in the book, Hebrews. In the, book, in the book of Numbers, See, census just didn't start. See, history just repeating itself. You can go in the book of Numbers and there's a census. That's when the first census was done. Well, go ahead, because they had to start counting these people. Well, go ahead, Brother Griff. Absolutely. So they went from 70 to 1.5 million in this African black nation of Egypt. Even if you don't want to, you don't want to believe that the original Hebrews were black, even though it's very clear from what happened with Joseph, you have to admit here that they they've lived in an African nation. And they went from 70 to 1.5 million in Africa. Okay. Wow. Um, now, but let's keep going here because I told you that um, they would have they would have mixed in and they would have procreated with some of those Africans um, mm -hmm. while they were while they were in Africa. So let's see why I said that. So I'm gonna read verse 37 again. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Verse 38, many other people went up with them and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. 
So outside of just this 600,000 men that were Hebrew by descent, many other people went up with them. Well, who were those people? They were Africans, right? Mm -hmm. They end up bringing out some of those Africans who saw, so from the beginning, we've been, we've been converting people to Judaism from the beginning. They would have seen our guide while we lived there in Africa and said, I want to I want to roll with that guy. I don't want to be with the guys of Egypt. I want to be with those guys. I, those guys got it right. And so after we, uh, after the plagues happened, after the firstborn was taken, um, these people joined the Hebrew caravan and they came out with us. So not only do we go from 70 to 600,000 in Africa, but then we also bring the first converts to Judaism out of Africa as well. And we bring Africans out. So the Hemetic, so going back to, and we'll talk more about this in the future, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the three sons of Noah who populated the earth. Here you have Shem coming out of Africa and you have Hamites coming out as well with the Hebrews. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, you have, so you have that happening right there. You have them coming out right there. Um, so what, we, what, what our focus was today was to prove that not only was, was uh, the original 12 sons of Israel all people of color, but then as they, came, but then as they, as they uh, went up in numbers, they actually did that while in the nation of, of, of uh, Egypt, which is an African nation. And so they multiplied in Africa. So they come in black and then they multiply in Africa, which means they got more black, right? They got more, they got more color in them. Right. This is undeniable, right? There's no, there's no responsible scholar that will deny this. So the question is, why are all of our, our depictions of the ancient Hebrews in today's world, why are they all of white people? Well, how hmm. did this happen? How did this happen where the original race and ethnicity of these people has been changed and why did it happen? I'm not going to answer that question today, but it's something that you have to beg to yourself mm-hmm. as a learner here is how and why. This well, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that answer. I'm looking forward to your teachings. I know you've been studying this for over 10 years, and, and I'm looking forward to this. And as you said, people must study to show themselves approved. Study this for yourself. Look it up for yourself. The truth is the tr- truth. Um, we're not here to try to, to bring whites against the black or, or disrupt the land. We're here just to tell the truth to uh, present the identity of the Hebrew people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Some, some folks may say, um, okay, but we're all under Yeshua, we're under Jesus now, race doesn't matter, right? Some people may be tempted to say that. But if that was the case, if race didn't matter, then why are the Hebrews misrepresented? Somebody right. obviously thought that race mattered enough that they oh, had yeah. to change all the original pictures. Uh, Sister Easter and I went over to Israel, uh, what was it, 2018, uh, Sister Easter, went over to Israel? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was, 2018. Yep, I was so fascinated and blown away by the depictions of the Israelites there, that most of the depictions of them, even the picture leading down to Jesus's tomb was of black people. Mary and Jesus were black. Uh, you look at a lot of the ancient uh, Hebrews there, and they're, and they're depicted as black people. And I was sitting there like, you know, we, God has shown this we, to me. When we entered where Jesus was born, it was a black picture as you go before you go in of a child and a mother. Absolutely. 
And it, it's curious, like, how does this happen? How do we get to this point where all these depictions are of Black people, yet we as Black people still got a white Jesus hanging up in most of our churches? How did okay. this happen? What, what is going on here? We are going to get into that. And so uh, thank you, Brother Griff, for your teachings. So we're going to get into a questions. So uh, later on, we'll have some questions that's going to be on the screens. I know you all have questions, and we'll start asking those. So my question to you today, Brother Griff, is what, what does Judaism mean? What does that mean? Uh, so Judaism is the... This is a question that we have to think about in ancient context, because in today's day and age, it will be a religion, right? Um, but the word religion as we see it today is not how the word religion would have been taken in ancient context. And today, religion is more of a philosophy, right? It's, uh, this is what I think about the world. This is how I, how I get my moral grounding. But in this day and age, back in uh, the times of the Hebrews, ancient Hebrews, religion was a lifestyle. It was a way of life. So to be, uh, to be Hebrew or to be an Israelite was not just to say, I believe in this God, Yahweh. It was to say, I believe in this God, Yahweh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna live my life in this way because of this belief. That's right. what true religion should be today, right? That's what Jesus called us to. If you love me, you'll do my commandments, as he says in John. Uh, but we've become so far from that with the theology that we have today in today's age that religion just seems like you know, a philosophy that says, this is what I believe. Now I'm gonna live my life however, but this it's is just, just my like belief. A tradition. It's just like a tradition. Like no. everybody don't even, they, they don't get educated about it. They just follow what other people say. And we Absolutely. have got to come out of that tradition. And it took me a while to come out of it, but I'm coming out, I'm out of that tradition. Absolutely. Okay? Absolutely. Well, thank you, uh, Brother Griff. And so now we're on my segment, Easter Keeping It Real. So Easter keeping it real, I'm Easter. And so I just wanted to tell you that we have got to take accountability. Us Hebrew have, have got to take accountability. And what do we, how do we take accountability? Okay, 2 Chronicles, Chronicles 7 and 14. 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, let's read that. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from the heaven and for will get and forgive their sins and heal their land. Amen. If my people, Amen. we are his people, we are his chosen people, the Hebrew people. And so it doesn't matter how we were captured, and we're gonna get into that later on, but we have got to know who we are, our identity. And we have got to turn away from this tradition and turn away from those wicked ways. And we have got to pray as a Hebrew nation. Amen. That's the only way we're going to move forward and come out of this is to take accountability that our ancestors, our generational ancestors, were not following those commandments. And that's why we were given over here to the United States, because our disobedience, Easter keeping it real. It's harsh, but it's true. Okay? It's harsh. But it's true. We have got to take accountability. Retribution. What does that word mean? It means dispense or receiving your rewards. For We're not going to get any rewards because no one's going to admit what they've done, okay? They've knocked the nose off and the lips off the statue. 
They've hidden so many things from us. We are not going to get retribution. But what we can do is rise up as a nation, acknowledge who we are, start following the commandments and live in the way we're supposed to do to come up out of this. Absolutely. And I want to leave that. Sister, can I jump in real quick and say that, um, and I just want to jump in and say that this is what we're saying is not new, right? I can, I can name rabbi after rabbi, black rabbis here in America who have said this, who have uncovered this. As a matter of fact, MLK himself, when he gave uh, his, one of his famous speeches said, I have been to the mountaintop. I have seen the promised land. Who was he putting himself in the shoes of there? Well, of Moses, of course. And mm -hmm. so even MLK himself saw the emancipatory potential and understanding that we were the Hebrew people. Uh, there have been many black synagogues here in America. You haven't heard about it for the same reason you haven't heard of Black Wall Street, for the same reason you haven't heard of all of these things that have happened in America that they've tried to bury. Uh, Marcus Garvey was a, was a, was a famous Israelite who, who went on back over to Ethiopia to try to learn about what was going on with our heritage. And so what we're saying isn't anything new, but it's time. And you may say, why now? Well, let's go back to the year that we came to America. What year did, did uh, the first slave land over here in, in Jamestown? You remember what that year was, Sister Easter? It's 1619, 400 years ago. History is repeating itself. 16, it's repeating 19. itself. 1619, which means that 2019 would have been our 400th year here. Well, we just read that after 400 years, the exodus it has to happen. And mm -hmm. so um, this is knowledge. Again, I got this revelation back in 2010 of who we were, but I couldn't come into the full knowledge until this year because God has an awakening. Yahweh has an awakening for us. After that 400th year, he says that he'll release us from this madness. He'll release us from this blindness of heart and he'll call his people back to him. And as Sister Rich has already read, if we're able to humble ourselves, we're able to call back out to him in, in, in our true identity, then he'll answer us. Our prayers have gone unheard for 400 years. That's why we're in a condition that we're in right now. But now it's time. It's you time. May, you may not fully believe yet that you're a Hebrew, but we'll get there. But right yeah. now, right now, what I want you to know is that they that all at least know this, that the Hebrews were people of color. At least know that, to know the, the great contributions that we've made to history, right? It, you know, in the society, it seems as if all we can go back to is slavery. And that's, and that, and, and no, that's not true. We are the ones that are the fathers of all modern religion, people of yeah. color, uh, more, more, more specifically, the people that are, that are dispersed in the Pan-African diaspora. So today is all about you just being able to rearrange your mind from thinking that all Jews are white and understand, I'm not, now don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that there aren't white Jews. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, because I, 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 will, I will prove later on that there probably are white, Asian, Indian. We were dispersed all over the world. But what I'm saying to you is that in our inception, what I'm saying to you is that we from our birth, original. we are the originals. From our birth, we are originally a black people. The Hebrews are originally a black people from birth, a people that were born in the land of Canaan. Remember, Canaan was one of the sons of Ham. The one that actually was cursed was one of the sons of Ham who we know, uh, scholars uh, agree that Ham was a dark-skinned person. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then they were, they were reared, they spent their early childhood, they literally spent their infancy in Africa and mixed in with Africans and even brought Africans out with them. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what today is all about, is just you rearranging your mind. Now we're gonna add on to that and we're gonna get to the point where we see 
that actually we are those people that are spoken about in the Bible, people who've been hidden. Uh, our heritage has been hidden from us. As Psalm 83 says, go ahead and read Psalm 83 if you want another reference there. But our, our heritage has been hidden from us, but we are the people of the Bible. Yes. Okay, thank you, Brother Griff. We're going to go into prayer, and we're going to end this wonderful uh, session that we had today. Father to God, we thank you, Lord. Yahshua, we thank you right now, Father, as you sit on the right-hand side, and you're advocating for us right now. Right now, we were surrendered all onto you because it's too big for us. We say we're sorry. We, re we repent before you right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Yeshua. Yahweh, we thank you right now for your presence when you said two or more gather you will be in the midst right now we dispatch this word out into the ear gates of the people and into the hearts of the people right now we're repenting anything we said or done is not of you we say we're sorry right now we're turning away from our wicked ways right now we're taking our heritage and our name and our birthright right now our generation and our children and generation after me and the next and the next they will come on to you father and they will sing out to you lord we love you we lift your name on high you're a god of mercy you're a god of peace you're a faithful God. You're an on-time God. You're an omnipresent God. We lift our hands up to you. We give it all to you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the education. We thank you mostly for your son as we touch the hem of his garment and the resurrection starts, Lord. The resurrection has begun. The awakening has begun. The identity has begun. Your people have awakened. And we thank you, Lord. We love you. Yes, Lord. We lift your name on high yes. in Yahweh's name, in God's name. We give it all to you because it's just too big for us. Yes, Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Sister Easter. Thank you for um, tuning in. Uh, and, I, I, before we get off, Sister Easter, one last thing here. Um, I want to say first and foremost, obviously, this is my mother. Uh, Sister Easter. Now, the reason that we call each other by Sister Easter and Brother Griffin on this is because even though our earthly identity is a mother-son relationship, there's a higher identity in, in, in Christ and there's a higher identity in heaven of being brothers and sisters. And so, um, so we call ourselves by brother and sister because when we do things like this, we're identifying in that higher level, not on this plane, but on that higher plane. Um, so a lot of times you'll hear us say that and just know that we are mother and child, but that's the reason why how we do it like that i love you we love you all we look forward to your comments uh we look forward to seeing you uh next week for you tuning in and uh god be with you amen, amen.